Jim Brainerd goes to Washington and blows his climate change prediction. Super PAC ads for Joe Donnelly hit the air, that plus a bipartisan effort to keep a fighter wing in Fort Wayne, and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending June 2nd, 2017. Ice Miller is proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Carmel Mayor Jim Brainerd predicted President Trump would not pull out of the United States out of the Paris Climate Accord. Brainerd is co-chair of the Climate Change and Energy Independence Task Force for the U.S. Conference of Mayors. The Republican has gotten a lot of attention for bucking his party on climate change, including the lead in a recent Washington Post story. Carmel has adopted energy-saving measures, and Brainerd has made the economic case for investing more in alternative energy as a way to expand the economy. On Thursday, President Trump announced the United States will withdraw from the climate change agreement, fulfilling a campaign promise. Trump claimed the agreement that calls for major reductions in greenhouse gas emissions by nearly all other countries on Earth by 2025 will hurt the U.S. economy. Trump said he will abide the accord's provisions for leaving the pact, however, which means there will be another election before the U.S. formally departs. Which Republican is right when it comes to climate change? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Jennifer Hallowell, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and Nikki Kelly, Indiana State House reporter for the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. I'm Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute President John Ketzenberger, and I'm filling in for Brandon Smith, who will return to this seat next week. And Delaney, should Brainerd be embarrassed by his you know, prediction, or will the public prove that it doesn't really care about this? Well, I think he was optimistic, but, you know, no thinking person concerned about climate change would have voted for Donald Trump, and I think he was just hoping that we wouldn't abdicate our responsibilities as the leader on this issue any more than we'd uh, abdicate our responsibility as the leader of the free world. We've conceded that to Germany now and Angela Merkel, and we've conceded the climate change issue to China. It's disgraceful. Um, you know, he believes in science, okay? How, wow. <laughs> He believes in science, and obviously the president doesn't. He doesn't believe in news, truth, science, ethics, anything. So it's, it's very discouraging, and I'm sure it's very discouraging for Mayor Brainerd. And it, at least it, it looks as if mayors of a number of cities and governors of a number of states are going to go ahead with their own initiatives. It's still difficult to lead from the bottom up, but I give them credit for at least persevering despite the, the lack of any leadership at all in uh, the White House. So, Jennifer, does uh, Mayor Brainerd risk anything politically with this position on climate change? Well, certainly. I don't think so, um, especially not as mayor of Carmel, um, perhaps in some other race. But I don't think this is an issue that plays a lot in, in, uh, in those elections anyway. What I do think is there are a couple of things to, to take away from this. Um, First, there are probably a majority of Republicans support the president's actions, and for a couple of reasons, but primarily because they believe the deal that was structured was a bad deal for the American people, for the American economy, because it's not a level playing field, because China and India, the two other biggest polluters in the world, were not held to the same standards that the U.S. was. And so, you know, this is, it's obviously a bold move, 
Um, one of the things that I do want to point out, I do think there are Republicans who would like to see us moving more in this direction, moving more quickly for alternative energy options and reducing emissions. Mayor Brainerd is not alone in that. Um, the former Indianapolis Mayor Greg Ballard did a lot to move Indy forward on energy issues, such as you know moving the uh, the city fleet over to electric or compressed natural gas. Um, he also retrofitted the city county building and a variety of things that he did, and he works today on alternative energy issues. The bottom line is, and, and what I think is important to remember, is that President Trump said that he was willing immediately to yeah, negotiate, renegotiate to negotiate new he's, terms he's from a that would be more fair for the American There's no renegotiation. He's and the one that called it a hoax. He didn't simply say it was a bad deal. He said climate change is a hoax. And he, every single member of the Republican delegation on the House side is like, there are like lemmings following him over that cliff. It isn't a hoax. The scientific evidence is there. They had their goofy uh, Secretary of Commerce saying it would only make a few degrees difference in the weather if we, if we went through this. That's the whole point but they don't want to listen to the scientific evidence. And there's a difference between saying we didn't negotiate a good deal and claiming that the entire issue of, cl of climate change is a hoax. Well, I, I'm not going to speak to that, but, but reports do indicate that we would lose more than 2 million jobs. No, and he those did are say your very reports. clearly and those multiple times reports. that he was willing to negotiate or renegotiate with They're not going to renegotiate. Terms. We've and broken our word. We're, they're okay, not going to okay. renegotiate. Nikki, let's, let's weigh in here with the vice president. This morning, Mike Pence said that it's a liberal position and that, uh, it, you know, they are the ones who are pushing this has become a, a, a big issue for the liberal uh, cause and Democrats. And that kind of goes to the point that Ann made. What do you make of that? And, you know, which, where does that come down? I mean, I think it's, a, it's what I would expect to hear from the vice president. He's obviously supporting his president. And I think over the years, I've not fully understood where Mike Pence stood on climate change. Um, and, and there is a different discussion. It seems like there are two different sides to it. Is climate change real or did or are were our goals in the accord, you know, different than others? But I, I, I mean, my understanding of the accord was that each individual country got to set their own exactly. goals. So um, I'm not exactly sure what that point is. But to be fair, it, it was an easy campaign promise for him to meet and he you know hasn't repealed obamacare yet they don't have a tax reform bill the ball isn't the wall isn't built you know he didn't defeat isis in 30 days so this was an easy campaign promise for him to check off well john jennifer was making the point about the economic case um and you know the the point that this could lead to job reductions but could it also lead to job uh creation and what do you think it might be from a economic perspective well, if you look simply at fossil fuel jobs, yes, I presume that compliance with the Paris Accord would result in fewer coal mining jobs, fewer fossil fuel processing and refining jobs. But that's actually what the marketplace is where it's taking us anyway. So, so that's not uh, solely due to concerns about climate change. But I think that does leave out uh, in terms of trying to calculate a net gain or loss of jobs, the kinds of clean uh, energy jobs, uh, whether that's in solar, whether it's in geothermal, whether it's nuclear, I mean, any number of, of other options, which if you look at the statistics, 
uh, it's, it, the ratio is something uh, maybe even a 10 to 1 in certain states where for every job lost, uh, and this was, I, I heard uh, Governor Jerry Brown in California specifically making this point, and I'll take him at his word that these are accurate numbers. For every fossil fuel traditional job lost, uh, 10 would have been gained or can be gained with compliance um, with this accord. Um, and that's one reason I think that, that Jerry Brown is one of those governors, uh, as has been mentioned here, and more than 60 mayors who have said, even though it's difficult to do it when it's not, uh, you don't have the White House leading the charge and you don't have Washington leading the charge, they are committed to trying to maintain these standards. You know, the other thing to remember, too, is so many business individuals came out against withdrawing from the accords because many of them have changed their, their processes and the way they manufacture in response to the need for cleaner energy. And now the rug is being pulled out from under them and they're being asked to redo it. There may be processing jobs lost, but the coal industry well, is mechanized. Well, I'm saying I mean, that. What, what do I they have in Floyd and Southern anyway. Indiana? 20, right. 25 well, people? More than that, but, but it not is many true more. That, that there probably it, won't be. It is the business stance, though, that to your question about any kind of political, negative political fallout for Mayor Brainerd, again, keep in mind what city uh, he oversees as mayor. That's a city that, that wanted uh, protections for gay marriage, uh, and of right. course he took that stance. So it's trending it's democratic a, is what you're saying. No, I'm <laughs> saying it's, it's an educated, uh, I don't need to and tell you this, it's a well-educated upper, <laughs> I'm not saying that either, but these are people who do, for the most part, I think, still believe that science has is a place. Is real. Right, Can I right. let's, let's, You let's finish every uh, let's answer here. Finish, like you're but married I, or something. It doesn't hurt him there. If he were, if he were a, a small time. coal mining community, but as far as I've checked, that, that one at 131st and Gray Road, that, that hasn't produced a ton of coal in ages at that moment. Okay. So. All right. A super PAC began airing a television ad backing U.S. Senator Joe Donnelly nearly 18 months before the general election. Majority Forward, a not-for-profit aligned with the Senate Majority PAC, which is a leading Democratic effort to win back the U.S. Senate, started airing the 30-second spot on television and in social media. The ad is called Bringing It Home, and it recounts Donnelly's legislative efforts to create tax credits for companies that bring jobs back to the United States, while attempting to strip those credits from companies that move their jobs overseas. It ends with the tagline that's likely to be the theme to Donnelly's campaign, Joe Donnelly fighting for us. As the incumbent, it's not likely Donnelly will face a stern competition in the primary that's more than 11 months away. Republicans, however, have a battle brewing between several potential candidates, including members of Congress Todd Rokita and Luke Messer. Jennifer Hallowell, are the Democrats wasting their money with this ad? Well, unless they have an unlimited amount of money, I would say yes. Um, you know, we're a year and a half from the election. And I don't remember the ads that I saw last night. So I think that I think it's a waste of money unless they can keep pouring money into it. But I suspect that there are a couple of things at play here. Number one, as I've said for months, Senator Donnelly is not very well known among the broader electorate. Outside of party insiders, he is not very well known by Hoosiers. And having served in the House and as a U.S. senator for four and a half years, you would expect his numbers to be higher. So they are pumping in some money to help raise his name ID and also to try to define him, I think, ironically, as more as a Republican with the message in this ad. You know, they've highlighted a lot of issues that Republicans crushed Democrats on in, in 2016. But, but that aside, so they're trying to define him and build a foundation for him to start from. And I suspect that 
following this round of advertising, they'll be doing some polling, and this can help prop up those numbers that people will be seeing that would come out in the next few weeks. So, Anne, why spend money at this point? I mean, what's from your perspective? The well, I, th I think it, it, Joe Donnelly obviously was in the House, and he's well-known up in his area. He has not been in the Senate that long, and he has a wonderful record to talk about. I mean, he has reached across the aisle on any number of issues to come up with legislation that helps veterans, helps on mental health issues, helps on the opiate crisis. And, and now, you know, w w he, when he has that record, and he has a record of trying to keep jobs in this country and penalizing uh, companies that want to take those jobs abroad. That's exactly the message that sells in Indiana, and he deserves credit for what he's done on that, and I think this is good that they're putting that out there. People will know what Joe Donnelly has done. It isn't just building his name ID. It's telling people what he's done in the, f the scant four and a half years he's been there, and it's to his credit that people want to do this for him. Talk talking about a couple of pieces of legislation that he's just proposed or sponsored in the last couple of months, by the way, right? If you look at He's that, been these on are veterans new things issues since trying the day to he define arrived. him for what the electorate wants no. now. So this he is the is, redefining. He has been doing these since he got there. Mm -hmm. And well, on veterans I mean, issues, what he's, had had great, he's had a great success with that. He's actually worked even with, the, with the, the newly elected Todd Young on issues since he's been there. So his record speaks for itself. Let's find out what Nikki has to say, because... Uh, not only do we have Rakita and Messer in play here, but you know, word is coming out in the last little bit that the Attorney General Curtis Hill is looking at this, and a number of other people are looking at this race. <laughs> Can the Republicans, you know, mess this up? Yes. If they have too well, large of course they can. <laughs> I mean, if you put too many people, <laughs> you know, going for the same spot, it can obviously get messed up. But I think Senator Donnelly and his supporters are taking sort of this calm before the storm moment to, you know, get a nice, you know, message out there and maybe try to differentiate them from what we're going to see coming from perhaps Congressman Messer and Rakita and maybe even Curtis Hill. So, John, you've covered politics in Indiana for an awful long time. Do you remember an ad? This, yeah, that's what hey, I'm saying. saying. You and I you, start at the same time, John. That's so irrelevant here. <laughs> Do you remember an ad this early uh, in the cycle for anybody at any time? Uh, as soon as I say no, someone will okay. produce one. It is, it is early. But again, this is, strikes me as, as the political equivalent of rolling up one's sleeve and getting a shot. This is an inoculation against uh, what we presume will be a pretty harsh attack, regardless of which Republican comes out on top. Keep in mind, we've already had a flavor of how, oh just goodness. how heated the primary battle will be. Yeah. And it will be a, a, a switchblade kind of, uh, you know, bloody affair. Imagine what the winner of that uh, competition at the primary level is willing to do for the incumbent. So I think this, um, and there might have been some things maybe Ann would know better that Evan Bayh and others did, uh, again, to inoculate. But it, since, he's not, really. since he's not terribly well-known statewide, this is a twofer. You don't want your opponents to define you if you have the opportunity to do it first. Okay. Time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question, are the campaigns wasting their money with elections so distant? Your choices are A, yes, B, no, or C. Consider it an economic boost for television stations. Last week's question was, should HIP 2.0 recipients have their health care coverage suspended if they don't meet work requirements? 29% said yes, and 71% replied no. If you would like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash IWIR and look for the poll.
Donnelly and Congressman Jim Banks co-hosted a roundtable discussion this week about the future of the 122nd Fighter Wing in Fort Wayne. The Democratic Senator and freshman Republican member of Congress both serve on their respective armed services committees, so they're well aware of the military's shifting priorities. Fort Wayne currently is home to the A-10, an aging aircraft scheduled to be eliminated, although it has survived many previous attempts to kill the program. In fact, plans were to replace the A-10 with F-16s, but those plans were waylaid when the A-10 survived again. So Banks and Donnelly met with state and local officials to discuss new plans. We want to transition as soon as we can. Like I said, we had a couple of uh, programs already set up, and then the A-10 continued. And we sit there and go, well, we planned everything in advance, and, and um, we're lucky enough to keep the A-10s. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that um, we're ready to go whenever the moment comes. John Schwanis, John Schwanis which Washington's bound up by partisanship, should we be heartened by the fact that Donnelly and Banks are able to work across uh, party aisle? Well, there are certain issues that do bring out bipartisan cooperation, and keeping a military installation and jo the jobs that go with it in a state are one of those things that bring people together. You alluded a moment ago to my tenure, uh, which again matches yours. So, and, but if we think about when you and I started, Notice I'm now saying we yeah. started uh, covering politics. Think how many military installations were, I mean, Fort Harrison right. was still the accounting center for the military. You still had Grissom Air Force Base. You had other units uh, of various branches of the service. Really now, it, there aren't many. Yeah. Uh, and so I think uh, there is a desire to keep the few jobs that are here related to the military. And this is one of those where not only is there bipartisan cooperation, but this is one of those where you might see quietly, you wouldn't, won't see it, but you'll see the fingerprints of, it, say, Mike Pence's uh, involvement, perhaps. I think it would be uh, maybe embarrassing for there to be one of the few remaining military installations to close under his watch. Nikki Kelly, this is your neck of the woods. What does the 122nd mean to Fort Wayne? Oh, it's a huge part of the community. I've been there, there for several either arrival ceremonies or departure ceremonies. Everyone's very supportive. It has, I think, a $58 million economic impact and, and has a role in thousands of jobs up there. So, you know, they have fought to maintain the A-10s a couple times already. They were put on a sort of short list for F-35s but didn't make the finals there. So I think everyone is glad to see a bipartisan effort to try to keep some sort of base going there. So, Jennifer, is uh, Representative Banks, a freshman no less, kind of, you know, betraying the party by working across the aisle here? No, I don't think so at all. Um, I, I do think that it's important and meaningful that they're working together. And um, so I'll try to be as kind of try to be less partisan about this. <laughs> I could say that Senator Donnelly will want to be seen with Republicans as often as possible since Republicans are more popular in Indiana. But can't. I do think it's really important sure. that they're working together. And, can't and help yourself. I don't think Congressman <laughs> Banks will take any heat for that. Yeah, well, I yeah. think it's, it, it's another example of Joe Donnelly being able to reach across the aisle for doing what's best for Hoosiers. But what's also important is it's not just Democrats and Republicans. He brought city, state, federal officials together, local businesses together. That's the kind of... Um, uh, of group, it seems to me, getting behind something like this that can hopefully have an impact to keep it in the state. Okay. Election watchdog groups are concerned that legislation set to take effect next month could lead to Hoosiers being improperly deleted from voter rolls. 
The interstate voter registration cross-check is used each year in Indiana to look for voters who have moved to another state. The new legislation makes it easier for counties to remove voters that they find in the system. Counties must first check whether a voter registered in another state is the same one registered in Indiana. The county can then remove that voter from the rolls if the registration in the other state happened after their Indiana registration. But a representative of the Brennan Center for Justice said this week he is concerned about the interstate cross-check system based on experience in other states. Jonathan Brader said officials in Virginia found a 17 percent error rate when the system was used in 2013 and that the state here in Indiana must still contact voters before they're removed from voter rolls. Nikki Kelly, is Indiana finding the proper balance between efficiency and protecting the rights of voters when it comes to clearing up these lists? Well, I think we have in the past. We've definitely used a system with multiple contacts and a couple inactive years of not voting. This new across state interstate check does not have all those checks and balances so I think it's definitely a different ball game and something to keep an eye on. So John, um, how, why is it so difficult to make this work? Because the, consider the subject, it's elections, it's the, it's the lifeblood of the people who are making the policies. Nothing is going to be more important to them than, than, than that issue. Yeah. This isn't about isn't really about cleaning up the records. It's, again, another attempt at voter suppression. That's what Indiana does. Last week, I think, in Illinois, unanimously passed, and the governor, Republican governor, signed a bill that said any contact with the state automatically registers everybody. Okay? We don't want to do that here because we don't really believe everybody ought to vote. There's Jennifer. no voter suppression. This is a smart, common-sense so approach. And before, before anyone would even be contemplated to be removed from the polls, they have to meet 75 points of criteria of matching, whether it's driver's license number, social security number, all kinds of things have to add up before a county, and it's not the state, it's a county makes that decision. And in that, and when they see that happen, they can either not remove them, remove them, or contact them for more information. I've worked with a lot of clerks that are not trigger happy to take people off the polls. Uh, A Hoosier is in the mix as a possible successor to James Comey, Comey to head the FBI. John Pistol is president of Anderson University in his hometown. Pistol took the job at Anderson after leaving his post atop the Transportation Security Administration in 2014. President Obama tapped him for that post after Pistol spent nearly 18 years with the FBI, where he was chief of the Indianapolis office and for the last six years of his tenure, deputy chief under Robert Mueller. He was appointed to that post by President Bush. Jennifer Hollowell, what are Pistol's uh, chances of becoming the head of the FBI? Well, I'd say it looks like he has a, a, a certainly a decent chance, and it would be great for the country and, and great for Hoosiers. You know, he's a Hoosier, and his parents also went to Anderson University. Um, he's got a really distinguished record under President Bush and President Obama and lots of experience um, at the FBI, so I think it would be great, and hopefully he will get it. So, Ann Delaney, why would he want the job? That's my question. I mean, he's certainly very well qualified. I think he'd be an excellent choice. Why he'd want it is beyond me. Well, uh, I have to give credit to John Schwanis because about a month ago, when this all came about, you said that that was a possibility. Quickly, take your credit, take your bow. Thank you. But just remember who else used to teach uh, classes at Anderson University. And I know that because I once guest lectured at his class, Mike Pence. Oh, see, there you go. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the magic your connection. connection. Finally, Ruoff Mortgage of Fort Wayne took a big gamble just four days before the Indy 500 
And the expanding company booked its biggest ever sponsorship with Andretti Motorsports. The car it backed, winner Takuma Sato, who edged perennial favorite Elio Castro Nevis in a thrilling race. So, Ann Delaney, who is the biggest winner in this deal, Ruoff or Sato? I think they both are, but also the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, because during that race, at one point, five continents had led, drivers from five continents had led, despite Mike Pence and Donald Trump. Despite them, they've been doing this for years. They've been doing this for years, but it shows that we can be a player in an international racing scene, even if we're not going to be in climate change and not the leader of the world. Yeah, but the snake pit's still all American territory. Don't, don't, don't. I'm sure that's able to agree with her until she's ridiculous. Well, I didn't want to ruin your week. It it was interesting that that we did have such a um, a diverse group, um, and that's always been the case. And we also had an F1 star. uh, And by the way, none of us got the prediction right last week, by the way. Um, but what does that say about the Indianapolis 500 and, uh, you know, about its future? I, I think the future is bright. You know, they had a great crowd, obviously, last year, and then to do that again this year. And it was an awesome race for anyone who watched it. Um, Unfortunately, so- not enough people watched it because their ratings were the worst in, like, 30-plus years. Well, it's an interesting thing because that's one of those sports programs that, uh, you know, despite, um, you know, it's, it just doesn't look as good on television as it is in person. Well, the beginning yeah. and the end do. And the crash ship deals. On Twitter as it happens. So. I just am still disappointed that none of us got this. Well, they're better bookies. Last year it was it's a, a never sponsor. That's, Napa that's came Indiana on Week in Review so. for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Jennifer Hollowell, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and Nikki Kelly, Indiana State House reporter for the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting on Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity. I'm John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute, and for Brandon Smith, who will return next week. Join us next time, because a lot can happen in an Indiana week. Ice Miller is proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.